I think I might have shared with you uh, only a few weeks ago that uh, one of the uh, quite um, interesting statistics uh, regarding, uh, I guess, Christians living in our world today and, uh, and how uh, well they share their faith, um, probably around about uh, 80%, and that's probably a conservative figure, 80% of evangelical Christians never, ever share their faith. Never. As we look at that passage this morning we see that if you are going to be a follower of Jesus, a true disciple of Jesus, then his plan for you is to be a fisher of men. A fisher of men. In fact, you might actually say that followers by nature are fishers. You've been saved in order that you might fish. Now, all you fishermen out there, you might say, yes, don't go taking that home to your wife today and said, there you go, Duncan said, I've been saved in order to fish, I'm going to give my job away, I'm going to go fish. All right, that's not what we're talking about. You have been saved in order to fish for souls, for the kingdom of God. It's our responsibility as we live our lives to cast, if you like, the net of the gospel through our words and actions to cast out that net of the gospel in our daily lives in order that people might, first of all, see in our own lives, through our own example, that the the reality of God and the difference that Jesus can make in our lives, but also that they might come to understand the truth of the gospel message, that message of salvation that God in his grace and mercy has come in the form of Jesus Christ, in the person of Jesus, fully God and fully man, in order to reveal his love for us and to die to pay the penalty that our sins deserve, our rebellion against God. We are called to catch men and women, boys and girls, for Jesus. Another term we might use is the term sow, and I'm sorry to sort of mix my metaphors here this morning, but, but to sow is, is, again, it's spreading that gospel message out there within our world today that we are called to be people who do that, mature disciples, mature followers of Jesus Christ. That is, people who have come to know Jesus in that personal way, people who have the commitment to, to grow in their faith and understanding and in their, uh, in their dependence and reliance upon Jesus in their, uh, in their lives, are also people who seek to sow that message of the gospel, to sow that message of the gospel so that others themselves might come to know, grow and sow. So although we're talking about being fishers today, you need to realise that we're also essentially talking about sowing. But sowing, no grow sow works a heck of a lot better than no grow fish. <laughs> Just doesn't have the same ring to it, does it? No. Now there are two things that we need to keep in mind when it comes to being fishers of men. All right, We have something to do and Jesus has something to do. In our passage this morning, we've got this wonderful passage where Jesus is walking by the Sea of Galilee. 
I get this wonderful picture of you know walking along the beach there. It's uh, you know the uh, the early morning where the uh, the fishermen have come back. They've uh, they've they've you know come back with their catch from the previous night. That they've sorted the fish and the fish have gone off to the market. And here they are sitting on the beach and they're repairing their nets and mending their nets in preparation for the for the next night's fishing. And here they are sort of just you know there um, you know perhaps talking about what's happened the night before with their fishing expedition, whether or not they've caught you know great amount of fish or whether or not it's been a, a bad night. They haven't caught many fish at all and uh, along the along the seafront along the waterfront comes Jesus to these particular uh, to these particular men now this isn't the first encounter that these men have had with Jesus by the way these men have have, uh, have already had probably uh, a number of encounters with Jesus and uh, through that, Jesus has sort of revealed himself a little bit to them. They've got an understanding that Jesus is indeed, people have been talking about him as the, 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 the long-awaited Messiah. So there's this kind of expectation in, in, in some people's hearts. And, and maybe these guys have been, you know, over time processing that, trying to come to terms with that and what it means for them, for, for them as individuals that Jesus is indeed this long-awaited Messiah. And Jesus comes up to them. And he sees two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he says to them this. He says, follow me. Follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. Can you picture that in your minds? So these, these men there on the shore of, of the Sea of Galilee, along comes Jesus and he says to them, he issues them an invitation and he says, I want you to follow me now and I will make you fishers of men. Two things to consider. The first is our part, the part we have to play, and that is to follow Jesus. We need to follow him. In fact, we cannot hope to carry out the ministry that he has called us to. We cannot hope to be, you know, to carry out that, uh, you know, the, this um, going out into the world and sowing the gospel of, of, of casting the net of the gospel, if you like, without the help of Jesus and without us first committing ourselves to following him wholeheartedly in our lives. Jesus says to these men, follow me. And what do we see the response of these men? It says, immediately they left their nets and they followed him. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Jesus issues an invitation and they at that particular point in time have to make a response to Jesus. The same as we all need to have to make a response to Jesus. When, it, when he comes to us and he, and he calls us to follow him. Simon Peter and his brother Andrew, when we see later on in that passage, James and John, all do the same thing. Immediately they leave their nets behind and they follow Jesus. Has Jesus called you this morning? Has Jesus spoken into your life and issued you an invitation to come and follow him? I know that many people here in this auditorium this morning have. They've heard that call. And this morning, if you're thinking, no, Jesus hasn't actually come to me yet and, and given me that call, folks, here is your call this morning. 
Jesus is saying to you here in this place this morning, where you are right now in your very, you know, the very, you know, aspect of your day to day, that Jesus is coming to you this morning and saying, follow me. There are many voices out there in this world today that call us to follow after them. That, 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 that kind of, you know, offer us this, this, you know, these great kinds of incentives in order to, to, you know, to follow the ways of the world and all of the different voices that are out there saying, you know, do this and do that and, and you'll be rewarded and you'll have a great life and things like that. But Jesus, the Son of God, comes to each of us and says, follow me. Has he called you? And if he has, what has been your response? Have you said, yes, Jesus, I will follow you. And you've left, you know, your old way of life and you've gone to, and you've followed Jesus, but maybe you sort of followed him for a little while, but now you kind of just, you know, slackened off of that a little bit. And you've, there are other kind of voices that are sort of speaking into your ears and saying, you know what, I want you to follow me instead. And so you, you're sort of trying to juggle the two at the moment. Do I follow Jesus or do I follow this way? Or can I do both? Folks, Jesus said himself, in the Sermon on the Mount, no man can serve two masters. Now, in that context, he was speaking about you cannot serve both God and he calls it mammon or money or wealth. But it's the same thing for all of us. We cannot serve two masters. We cannot serve, we cannot say that, yes, we're committed to Jesus and follow him if there are too many other things on the, you know, on the periphery or in the, the centre of our lives that are calling us away from Jesus and to follow those things in our lives. See, following Jesus means making a choice. It means making a commitment. It means choosing to commit ourselves to him and to learn from him and him alone. It's an invitation, if you like, to a higher calling. Here are these, these men who are fishermen. They earn their living out there on the Sea of Galilee catching fish, you know, each night. Or whenever the fish are running, that sort of thing. And Jesus says, you know what, you come and follow me and you'll not just be, you know, catching these little slimy, smelly creatures... You'll be catching big slimy... No, that's all right. (laughs) You'll be catching men and women and boys and girls for me. Jesus says, you'll be catching souls. I'll be using you to win souls for me, to bring people into the kingdom of God. To bring people... From darkness to light. From death to life. From having a hope that maybe is secure in, 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 in things of, that, are, that, are, that are tangible right now, but in, 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 at some point in time will just fade away to nothing. They'll, be, they'll become dust. He says, I want you to call people away from that and actually to call people to eternal life. I'm calling you today to be a part of that. To a higher calling. To work with 
the creator of the universe. The one who holds all things in his hands. The sovereign God, the holy God. The majestic and glorious God wants us to work with him in his mission in this world in order to save souls. Now, is there no greater calling than that that we can have in our lives? But we've got to make the choice, folks. We've got to choose to follow Jesus. And in choosing Jesus... That means that we need to be completely, wholeheartedly set apart for him and for his purposes. Jesus, when he, when he called these men, he says, I, I don't want you just to come and, and just you know, hang around me and just sort of see what I do. I don't want you just to come along and just be a, 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 um, a person who sort of just stands on the fringes, if you like, and just kind of just is a spectator. But I want you to be involved. Because I'm calling you to be mine, Jesus says. I want you to be mine. And I want you to stand out. I want you to be distinct in this world today. Set apart for me people who stand out, who stand out for Christ, who stand out in a crowd. Now, for many of us, we don't like that, do we? We don't want to stand out in a crowd. In fact, our world today is all about making us all the same, making us all carbon copies, cookie-cutter copies, if you like. So everyone kind of just all blends in together and we all just follow along the same path, looking the same, doing the same, so that no one stands out. But the trouble is that road that so many people are on, all those cookie-cutter people are on, is a road to destruction. And Jesus says, I want you in the midst of those people, I want you to stand out and I want you to stand up and say, no, that's the way to life. Through Jesus Christ. It's the only way. And many people will find that offensive today. So not only we've got to stand up, but we've also got to stand firm. Because there will be opposition. When the people of God, the people of Israel, were about to enter into the promised land, Joshua led them in. And he led them in all these wonderful battles. And they'd seen the hand of God at, you know, work and that sort of thing. But just as Joshua is about to sort of like finish his, his, his role that God had called him to when, he's, when his life is coming to a close, he issues an ultimatum, well not an ultimatum, but he issues a challenge to the people of God. And he says in Joshua 24, he says, choose whom this day who you will, ser- whom you will serve. Choose this day whom you will serve. He says, choose. Whether it be the gods of the Ammonites and that sort of thing, the gods across the river who you used to know. He says, or will it be the God who has been, who has journeyed with us, who has given us all of these wonderful victories, who has given us this land of, of abundance and, and, and goodness? He says, choose this day whom you will serve. And then he stands up and he says, but as for me and my house, what? 
we will serve the Lord. That's the kind of commitment Jesus is wanting from each and every one of us today. When Jesus says, choose this day whom you will follow, he expects us to say, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord and we will serve him alone. No one else but him and him alone. Folks, he's got to be our Lord and Master. Because following Jesus means not only you know, going after him, but obeying him. Obeying him in all that he says. That he's got to have that position of authority in our lives. Now the Lord's Prayer, we, we pray it so often. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. What comes next? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not mine. But God's, and we need to be people who are committed to seeing God's will done in our lives and in this world today and for us to be his people in whom he uses to bring about that kingdom in this world. Folks, in our world today, God's kingdom is breaking in into the hearts and lives of people. Lights are being switched on in people's hearts, spiritual lights, the light of salvation in Jesus Christ. They're being switched on in people's lives all across this world today. God's kingdom is, is at hand. God's kingdom is, a, is, is, is dawning in the lives of so many people in our world today and God is calling us to be a part of that. The kingdom of God is in people's hearts right now. It is God's rule and reign in their hearts and it needs to be in your heart and it needs to be in the hearts of all the people who who need salvation in Jesus Christ. And he's calling us to be a part of that. This wonderful higher calling. This wonderful privileged position that, that God calls us to. But we need to be people who obey. The Apostle Paul, as he uh, introduces many of his letters, he refers to himself as a servant of Jesus Christ. That word servant actually is the, is the Greek word doulos. It means slave. The Apostle Paul, the great Apostle Paul, who was used by God in incredible ways back in the first century, I think was used so wonderfully because he considered himself to first and foremost be a slave of Jesus Christ and was willing to lay down his life for Christ. And if we ourselves today are are willing to lay down our lives in humble submission to Jesus Christ, to make him that ultimate authority in our lives, I believe that Jesus will do great things in and through us as well. Why do I believe that? Because Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. We have a part to play and Jesus has a part to play. Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You know, oftentimes we think, well, you know, Lord... I just look at myself and I just seem so unworthy. I just seem to be... I just, I just don't think I've, I'm gifted enough. I don't think I've got the abilities. I don't think I've got what it takes. 
to be a fisher of men. It's interesting that the, 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 the disciples that Jesus first called, they were fishermen. They were rural, uneducated, fairly common kind of people who Jesus called. The people that he's calling here in this passage. Folks, don't just think that this is a passage, just a nice little story to be told. This is an account of, 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 of what Jesus actually did one day back in the first century where he walked along the Sea of Galilee and he encountered these four individuals, just like you and me, and he says to them, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. These were real men, living real lives, issued with a real challenge from Jesus called to make a real response to him. Do you think they felt worthy to be called by Jesus in, in that day to, 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 to carry out the work that he wanted them to do? Having spent three and a half years with Jesus, Jesus says to them, you know what? It's over to you now, guys. What? You're leaving us? He says, but wait. Wait in Jerusalem until the Spirit comes. And here's the secret, folks. That when it comes down to doing the ministry for Jesus Christ, it's not just about us and about you know, our abilities and that sort of thing. Because when we look at it, we think, oh, we've got nothing. Folks, every week I sit up there in that office on a Monday morning and I say to the Lord, Lord, I've got nothing. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? But Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Isn't that an incredible promise? Doesn't that give you an assurance and a hope? That Jesus is going to place his spirit or has placed his spirit within you and through the powerful work of his Holy Spirit living in you, indwelling in you, he is going to use that same power, that same, that, that same resource, if you like, in order to make you a fisher of men. It is the spirit of God that equips us and enables us to carry out the work that Jesus calls us to do. I remember when I, was an early, when I was a very, very young Christian, someone said to me, they said, you know what, God will not call you to do anything that he does not enable you and equip you to do. And that is so true. I have found that to be the reality in my life. The Spirit takes the word of God in order to reveal to us the will of God, God's plans and purposes, the fact that God is out there, his kingdom, he wants his kingdom to be to be proclaimed and his kingdom is coming in the hearts and lives of people. He wants us to be a part of that. He wants us to understand that that's his will, that's his purpose in this world today, to call people into his kingdom. And folks, the time's run, time is running out. Time is running out. The Spirit of God also takes the Word of God in order to reveal to us the truth of God, who He is and what He's about and who we are and, and how He can help us and use us. The Spirit of God also reveals to us the resources of God, His power and His presence. 
And just as Jesus shared his life with these first century disciples, as he taught them, as he ministered to them, as he ministered with them and alongside them, and as he commissioned them and sent them out and enabled them to, to carry out the ministry that he, that he sent them to do, he did so with the same Holy Spirit who indwells us today. Jesus had to send the Spirit. He had to send the Spirit of God because within his, his physical human body, he could, only, you know, he could only reach a certain amount of people, but through the Spirit of God, he can indwell the hearts of people right throughout the world. Jesus says in John chapter 16, verses 7 or 8, he says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, talking about the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Jesus is saying to his disciples, guys, this is, God, this is a part of the purposes of God. And this is how I choose to work in our world today, through people who have the indwelling spirit of God in them. Working in them and through them. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ today, you have that very same spirit of God living within you. Enabling you and equipping you to do the work that God is calling you to do of being fishers of men. It's the spirit of God also that gives us that spiritual insight and prompting when it comes to us sharing the gospel. Helping us to be aware of, of God's power and grace already at work in the lives of people around about us. Sometimes we think, oh, it's, it's just all on us. You know, we've got to get out there. We've got to, you know, we've got to proclaim the gospel and preach the gospel and, and that sort of thing. But you know what? Newsflash, folks. God's already at work out there. God is already at work in the hearts and lives of people in our communities, in your circles of influence today. God is already at work and you need to be praying that God will open your eyes to see where he's at work so that you can draw alongside or he can draw you alongside and you can be his spokesperson. You can be his hands and feet to those people right here and right now, those very hearts that God is already at work in. Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts 8, the spirit prompted him and said, go over to that man in the chariot, go and draw alongside him. And as he draws alongside, here's the man reading from Isaiah the prophet. And Philip just says, hey, listen, you know what, you know what you're reading there? And the eunuch says, well, actually, no, I don't, unless someone explains it to me. And then Philip says, well, here, let me tell you. Let me tell you about Jesus. It's as simple as that, folks. Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about the difference he's made in my life. Let me tell you about the difference he can make in your life. Jesus will make us fishers by sharing his life with us. He'll make us fishers of men also by using our experiences, our unique experiences as individuals in order to, to connect with those around about us. It's interesting, Charles Spurgeon, and you might not realise this, but, but he suffered terribly with depression. A man who, had, who was known as the Prince of Preachers, used by God in, in remarkable ways, suffered, suffered, suffered dreadfully with depression. But he had this to say. 
He said, I often feel very grateful to God that I have undergone fearful depression of spirit. I know the borders of despair and the horrible brink of that gulf of darkness into which my feet have almost gone. But hundreds of times I've been able to give a helpful grip to brethren and sisters who have come into that same condition, which grip I could never have given if I had not known their deep despondency. As you look at your lives, as you sort of see the various experiences and situations and things that God has given you in your life and has brought you through in your life, God is able to use those unique experiences in order for you to be able to connect with others who have experienced similar things in their life in a way that no other person can. And you will be able to testify to how the grace and the mercy and the love of God has brought you through that period in your life, has brought you through that challenge in your life. And folks, there is no greater testimony than that. People cannot deny that truth. Because it is your story. But it is the story that God has woven in your own life. So don't think that you know that, that you're disqualified from God's service because of the fact that you struggle with this sin and that sin or with this issue or that issue in your life. But instead, by the grace of God, think about those things as opportunities in order to be able to connect with others who experienced or are experiencing the same thing in order to share Jesus. Folks, the places where God has placed you, the unique places where God has placed you, he's placed you there for a reason. The places where you live, your family, your neighbourhoods, the places where you work, the places where your kids go to school, the, your sporting clubs and things like that, your social clubs that you're involved in, your doctor, your dentist, your mechanic, your mechanic, not your mechanic, your mechanic, your local barista. Yes, you coffee lovers, your local barista. All of these people who you come across, who interact or intersect with your life, either on a daily or weekly basis, God has placed you there and has given you those connections for a purpose so that you can be his beacon of light and truth in that person's life. Folks, this is our mission field. These are your mission fields. The place where God has called you to cast the net of the gospel and where he will indeed bring about the purpose that he has for you to be a fisher of men. Before we close, I just want to just quickly mention four things, four quick things to consider when it comes to fishing. Firstly is this, a fisherman is by by necessity a person of faith and dependent upon God. See, I don't know about you, but when I go out there and fish, even with these fancy, uh, you know, sort of Polaroid sunglasses and that sort of thing, I often can't see the fish that I'm fishing for. But what I've got to do is I've got to bait my hook and I've got to cast my line in and I've got to hope that, I, uh, that I'm casting my line in the right place where the fish are. We need to be, rely completely upon God for the results 
when it comes to being fishers of men. We can't do it in our own abilities and our own strength. We must rely upon him. And therefore, folks, we can't be failures in that. We can be faithful. But it will only be because of the work of the Spirit of God in a person's life that they'll come to faith in the first place. So all God calls us to do is say, you know what, you just be faithful. You be the one, you be the spokesperson, I'll do the rest. It's not up to you, it's up to me. So by necessity, we need to be a person of faith and dependence upon God. We also need to be diligent and persistent. It's interesting, these fishermen in this passage often fished all night. They worked during the day to mend their nets to prepare for the next night's fishing. It involved a lot of hard work, rowing the boat out there into the, you know, under the Sea of Galilee, sometimes in really, uns, you know, not really good weather. They had to go and they had to spend all night out there. And we ourselves need to be diligent and persistent in how we go about sharing the gospel. It involves making the effort to, to, to prepare ourselves. Fishing for men, folks, involves building relationships and we need to invest in those relationships. We need to find connection points with people and invest and invest and invest, build relationships in order to share the gospel. We've got to work hard. We've got to prepare ourselves. And it's going to involve, you know, investing time and energy into other people. It's going to involve prayer. It's going to involve learning how to share your faith. You know, what Roger was talking about, talking to us this morning about, you know, going and teaching in schools. You need to be, you need to be prepared in that. You need to learn, learn how to use the material. You can't just go in there and just do it off the top of your head. You've got to use the material and you've got to prepare the lessons. We ourselves have got to be prepared and know how to share our faith. We need, as 1 Peter 3.15 says, we need to be prepared to give a reason for the hope that we have and to do it with gentleness and respect. Do you know how to share the gospel? Do you know how to share your own personal testimony of faith in Jesus Christ? You need to be prepared to do that. A fisherman also is not afraid to take risks in order to catch fish. Sea of Galilee, on, you know, on, on numerous occasions, could be like a, a just this 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 huge, um, you know, swelling mass of wind and waves and that sort of thing. And these fishermen would would, would have to sometimes go out in that kind of weather in order to catch fish. We need to take risks. We need to be prepared to go out in difficult conditions amidst the opposition. We need to say the things that some people are going to find unpopular to believe. But we've got to do it in order to win souls for Christ. But the last thing is that a fisherman who is faithful, a fisherman who is a faithful follower of Jesus Christ, Jesus says you will catch fish. If you have ever, ever experienced in your life that wonderful occasion where you have walked with another person, helping them to take those first steps of faith in the Christian life. Folks, there is no greater experience in all of life than that. Some of you have experienced it. But sadly to say, I think only a very, very small few of you have experienced it. There is no greater privilege 
that we can have in helping bring a person to faith in Jesus Christ, by helping them take those first steps of faith in Jesus and by then walking with them and seeing them grow in their faith and understanding and knowledge of God. And when you've experienced that, when you know what that truly is like, all the things of this world, they pale in insignificance. They really do. These men, when Jesus says, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men, they got to walk with Jesus. And as we put our hands up and say to Jesus, yes, Jesus, I'm going to follow you, we too will walk with Jesus. He will walk with us. And we'll get to see God's power at work in our lives and in the lives of those around about us. To see the very hand of God at work the Spirit of God at work in a person's life, bringing them from death to life. This is what Jesus means in storing up treasures in heaven, of being people committed to him and who he uses in order to be that witness for him in, the, in our world today. That's what, it, that's what it's about, folks, storing up treasures in heaven, being faithful, obedient followers of Jesus allowing him to use us in his purposes. Because one day we're going to get to heaven and we're going to meet those people whom Jesus used us in order to help bring them into his kingdom. And we're going to have a party up there like you would never, ever imagine. And there will be no greater feeling of knowing that God has used you to bring a person to eternal life in Jesus Christ. Knowledge that great. A purpose that great. Wouldn't you want to be a part of that? Yeah? Let's pray. Father, we read in your word that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. That was his purpose in coming because we know that this is your heart. It is your heart to see people come to salvation in Jesus Christ. And Lord, today we ask that you would make it our heart, that you would make it our heart's desire to be people who choose to follow Jesus Christ wholeheartedly so that he might make us into fishers of men. Lord, this morning if we call ourselves a true follower of Jesus, May it be that we are also fishers of men. Help it to be so in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.